Good morning to everybody. So, a um, little background for me. I graduated from college with an environmental science degree. And uh, after I graduated, um, while I was looking for a job in my field in Rome, Georgia, um, I, I started delivering pizzas. I had a connection with somebody who had a local pizza place. And so, it wasn't even like as good as Papa John. So, this was pretty low-level delivery services of of, uh, of pizza. And I was working there just to make ends meet while I looked for a job in my field. And then something fell through. Uh, I had a job lined up with the city in environmental science. It fell through. Uh, the funding didn't come through. And so there I'm stuck. And I'm like, man, I'm getting married in a few months. This is, I mean, this is a kind of an inconsistent job, probably not the best for, to start off a marriage with. So uh, I started looking elsewhere for what other types of jobs I could have. And so I uh, had a friend who worked at the equivalent here would be the children, uh, I guess, the Cabinet of Family and Children's Services. So for us, it was Department of Family and Children's Services, and it was in Child Protective Services. They had a job uh, working with cases with families where there was abuse or neglect, and you go in and you manage a caseload and help them get back on their feet in a good, healthy position with their family. And so um, I applied, went in for an interview, got hired. After the fact, I, I I was told, hey, you got hired. This is a high turnover rate. People are leaving this job nonstop. You got hired because there was literally no applications on the stack. And the reality is if we would have had just a handful of applications, you wouldn't have been seen for an interview because uh, your, your field of study obviously wasn't this. And so uh, luckily I didn't know that right when I was starting. But I will say that my starting point in this job, outside of being young and uh, immature and unaware, was and actually favored me a little bit in the start of this job. wasn't very good. I didn't start from the position of strength. So I had no education, right? I mean, uh, what did I study in college? Ecosystems and public policy. What was I going to be dealing with? Family dynamics. I had no idea what neglect was in a home. Like it just, you know, I, I was the baby in my family. I didn't even know how to take care of a kid. At that point, I've only held one child probably in my life. I mean, this is, I've changed one diaper maybe at that point. So I was pretty inexperienced in the, in the realm of family and children. Uh, and then I had no training. This is bad, but they wouldn't send me to actually get officially trained to learn what actually my job was for months. Uh, and then I had no model. Essentially came in on the job, started had a conversation with my manager and my supervisor. She told me what I needed to go do, and uh, I started doing it. So I was off to the races. So no education, no training, no model, a stack of 30-plus cases with the recommendation was half that load. So obviously, uh, that was not a great starting point. Uh, it turned out pretty well uh, by God's grace and, I guess, getting training later on. I have lots of stories about getting beat up by many women who didn't like me stopping by their house uh, there was lots of crazy stories uh, from that time, but it was, it was actually a, a great job. Uh, but if you're starting out in a difficult endeavor, that's really not how you want to start out in that kind of position. And I think sometimes when we think about launching out in mission, we think we start off in that kind of position. We think our, about our insecurities, think about our weaknesses, think about our, fa- our fa- fear of failure, whatever it is. We think about all the things stacked against us, and we think as we enter into mission, we don't enter into a point of strength. I think it's very different than that, and I think that's what we're going to get at in our passage today. So the beginning premise of this letter uh, is this, is that, hey, hey, Timothy, I'm writing to you because I'm near death, and you are going to take on this mantle of ministry and expand it in your role. That was the premise. What also Paul understood is that we don't know what to what degree, but we know Timothy had some fears about that, and he was timid on some level. 
And so he's writing to them with that premise. And we find ourselves in a similar position, don't we? If you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus or you're joining us online, you're a follower of Jesus, you have been given a mission as well. Every one of us. That's the premise we walk in here with this morning. And for many of us, part of that mission is our vocation. Uh, whatever we have, we, job we have, whether that be as a student and you're preparing for a job or uh, your job, it's to serve the needs in this community. And so that's, that's part of our mission. Another part of that mission that's true for all of us is we're called to make disciples of people around us, our family, our friends, coworkers, neighbors, whoever it may be, we're called to make disciples. And then we're also called to meet real clear, tangible needs in this city. And that's what our seminar in the morning is about. Right, So every one of us walk in with that premise, but there's also something we share with Timothy, and I think the vast majority of us, no matter how confident we may appear on the outside, do have some uh, struggles with fears and a timidity when we think about moving outside of us. So it could be in our vocation. There might be projects or responsibilities that you have that in your vocation that you're hesitant to move towards because of whatever fears or struggles that you may have. There may be neighbors or coworkers that you feel pulled that you need to speak up to or initiate to, and there's a timidity, a fear of, of, of rejection around that. You also, when you think about needs in the community, you might be some, a sense of being overwhelmed about how do you meet some of those needs. I know for me, when I think about each of these areas and I think about myself, I, I fear rejection, I fear failure, I fear being uncomfortable. All of those, no matter how confident I speak, those are true on the inside of me. And so here we find ourselves in a similar place as Timothy. Timothy was dealing with some of those things. Paul knew it. And it's interesting to think about if you were Paul, how would you begin your letter to him to push him out into his role? I think some of us could envision Paul saying, hey, dude, quit being a baby. All right, you got a lot of stuff we got to get done. God's called us to it. Step up to the plate. Let's make it happen. I mean, I... That seems reasonable in a lot of ways, probably how we might handle some of those kind of conversations. But Paul begins this letter by drawing attention to three realities to allow Timothy to see that he's not beginning this mission from a point of weakness. He really is beginning it from a point of strength. Now, weakness, yes, we begin our, we're weak to accomplish whatever we want to accomplish because we got to do it by God's Spirit, yes. But but that's not what I'm speaking about. We begin this mission with a point of strength. And so our big picture, and you'll see it up on the screen, this is what I pray we see from the Scriptures today, is that we launch out in mission from a position of great strength because of our story, our gifts, and the Holy Spirit in us. Let's pray. Father, you know how each one of us are coming in this morning. Uh, God, you know among us all the different fears we may feel, the inadequacies we have, the weaknesses we have, the struggles. You know all those things, God, but you also have before us a great mission for us in our jobs, amongst our neighbors and our family and our coworkers and meeting needs in this city. And God, you do want us to move out. So I pray you would meet us in your word this morning, that you would meet us where we need your grace and your strength and that you would make your, life, your word come alive to us this morning. And no matter where this gospel is getting preached in this city and all the different churches that believe your truth, I pray that you would make your word come alive and that you would move us as a people, not just here at Grace, but all the other churches in our community, out in love. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to begin with your story. And in, in, in essence, what Timothy, Paul is saying is, Timothy, you really can be emboldened because of the reality that God has been at work in you. Let's see this in verse 5. 
Verse 5 says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. So Paul real, here is affirming God's work in Timothy, right? He's drawing attention to the faith in Timothy. But that's not the only thing he draws attention to. He also points out the faith in his mother and grandmother, those who had invested in him. And so why would he do this? Why would he just not say, hey, Timothy, I really do see this faith in you? That would be encouraging as well. To have a guy like Paul say that about you would be encouraging. But he points to more. What, why is he doing that? Well, I want to give you the, the illustration of an iceberg. You'll see it up on the screen. And we, we all kind of heard this kind of analogy before in lots of different settings. But really, to say uh, to Timothy, hey, I'm encouraged by your faith is just, just pointing to the tip of the iceberg. Because reality, God had been at work in his story much longer than that. Way before Timothy really knew it, God had been pursuing him and working in him. And so God, want, or Paul, wanted to draw Timothy's attention to, hey, listen, God's at work in you, but he's been, he's been at work in your story long before you knew it. He's been pursuing you. He is far more committed to you than you ever could realize. And that's what's going on. He's saying there's so much more going on here. That, that, that's happening in your life. And the principle, I think, that's going on with, with Paul here is that he's, he's saying, listen, you need to remember that God's at work because that's powerful to do so. And this is a theme in the Bible. If you go through the Psalms, one of the things that it's actually kind of, the, all right, I'm going to make a confession to you. There's some Psalms when I go to read them, I'll, I'll skip over it because it's a really, really long Psalm and I want a shorter Psalm. Well, guess what's happening in those longer Psalms usually? It's remembering all the works of the past that God had done. There's something powerful in doing that because what happens is, is when you face struggles and hardship, like many of the psalmists did, what did they do? They remembered who God was and what he'd done in the past. Why? Because there's something powerful about remembering that God had been at work a long time before you ever showed up here because you're seeing that God is far more committed to both me and you and far more committed to his mission in the world than we could ever imagine. Because when you're in it and you're facing it and you're seeing your insecurities and weaknesses, it's hard to believe that. But when you take a step back and you remember what's below the iceberg, you see something much, much greater. And I know for me, that's been, so uh, before I started studying to prepare for this passage, it was studying it in 2 Timothy a couple weeks ago and just, and just reading through this passage. And I'm struck about my own insecurities, my own weaknesses. And there's times in this mission where I think, God, I don't know if that person can change or I don't see that situation changing or this thing, the odds seem stacked against anything happening here. But because of this letter and what Paul's trying to do with Timothy, I start reflecting on my story. And I start thinking, man, it's against all odds that I'm a follower of Jesus. I didn't grow up in a religious home. Nobody in my immediate family or Christians are even close. I didn't grow up learning truths about who God was. And, and the reality is I didn't hit rock bottom in my life. I was perfectly satisfied living with a life, living for myself. I didn't want God. But then he sent a friend that disrupted everything. And the friend didn't have any power. It was just the means in which it came. And he opened my eyes and I began to follow him. Shouldn't have been, but I was. Went to college, and I was very immature, very young, very raw, with little knowledge of the Bible whatsoever. And what happens? My freshman year, one of the first couple weeks, a guy comes to our, to our hall. He's an RA on another hall, and he wants to start a flag football team. Now, I had no idea that this guy came to Christ two years earlier when, as, as a student at Barry. 
And he now wanted to influence somebody else. And so where am I going to start? He's going to go to this freshman hall and get a bunch of losers together to go play flag football. And what was it a means to do? I mean, sure, he liked flag football, but he really wasn't that good. It was just he wanted to talk to us about the gospel. And he learned that I was a young Christian and wanted to grow. And so he got me in a Bible study. And we were off to the races. And from that point on, I can trace the fingerprints of God's work in my life. And it wasn't so much about me. It was always that God raised up somebody that I wasn't seeking to invest and come along inside of my life. And this is all the way up till now. And what did that do when I began thinking about that? It began saying, Kevin, you look at a situation and you don't think the odds are there that something could happen. Have you realized your story? You weren't special. You didn't have special knowledge or gifts or abilities. I sent people to come after you. And that was me committed to you and the work and the, and the mission. And that's what's happening here with Paul. He's trying to do that with Timothy. And so if you're here today, God's at work in your story. What's happening right now is just the tip of the iceberg. And I want you to trace the, his fingerprints, and you will see his commitment to you throughout your story. And it may not come how you wanted it or how you scripted it, but he's committed to you, and he's committed to his mission. And we ought to be encouraged and emboldened by that. And just a side note here, uh, isn't it pretty cool that Lois and Eunice's names were mentioned in this story? I mean, there's just two people in the course of human history that were faithful to pray and try to have conversations with their kid and grandkid about the gospel. And here they are recorded in generation after generation of Christians can be reminded of their important work. So parents, grandparents, you might talk to your kids and pray for your kids or your grandkids and it looks like there's no light bulbs going off and I'm sure it looked that way for Timothy for a long time. But God's at work. Be encouraged by that. And so this is just one reality that Paul uh, brought up to show Timothy that your mission's beginning from a point of strength. God is committed to you and your story, right? But the next thing we see is your gifts. And he's saying, listen, Timothy, you can be emboldened because the reality that God has given you gifts to fulfill this mission. And we see this in verse 6. So we see this, this phrase here. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So it is a, I feel a little bit of insecurity to preach a passage you've been studying all week because I realize you and I might come to different conclusions on what parts of the passage mean. And the great thing about it, as long as Jesus is still king, we're okay. We're okay to disagree about the Bible, right? And so here, there are some debate. What's this gift talking about here? Is this gift in verse 6 uh, the same as the gift in, uh, or the Spirit in verse 7, or is it something different? Are they both talking about the Holy Spirit, or is one about a ministry gift and the other about the Holy Spirit? Well, where I land is I think they're different. And I think what he's talking about in verse 6 is a ministry gift that God had given Timothy to do his mission, and verse 7 is about the whole Holy Spirit will empower him to do that. But there's a lot of room for disagreements. If you want to know how I landed there, come talk to me after the service, and we can, we can talk about that. But what I'm thinking I see here is that Timothy had given gift, a gift uh, to lead in his role. And the phrase, for this reason, means that because you've got genuine faith, God's given you gifts and abilities to use in the service, and it came through the laying on of hands. Now, it didn't that Paul had this magic gift in his hand, and he touched Timothy, and it happened. No, this is symbolism in the Bible of Paul laying on his hands on Timothy, and it's confirming God's work in him. But the principle of what we're seeing here is that no matter who you are, if you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, he's moved in, he moved into your life, and when he moved in, he brought some gifts and abilities. Now, sometimes those gifts and abilities may be totally new that you didn't have before, and sometimes he's just waking them up to use them for his service. Now, 
something I think we got to think about. You may not have the gifts that you want, but you got gifts that you need. And I imagine if I'm if I'm Timothy, I can't project this upon Timothy, but if I'm Timothy's shoes, I'm thinking, dude, Paul, I don't have your gifts. You want me to carry on this role in ministry? I've seen how you faced opposition. I've seen how you stood up in the Oropagus. I've seen how you've dealt with the gospel, and I can't do what you did. Now, I can imagine Timothy feeling those things. That's human nature. I think what Paul's reminding here is, hey, listen, you may not have the gifts that you think you need, but you really do have what you need to fulfill this mission. It's in you. That's what he's getting at here. And so how would the reality of understanding that, that God had given him a gift embolden, encourage him. And I think about it this way. If God's given you a mission, but he hasn't given you the things you need to accomplish that mission, it's, you're going to feel a lot of in, insecurity and adequacy. I mean, just think if you're just in a normal job and you're co- told to go do something and you've given no resources to do that role. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Well, so you could say, well, God might call you to something and not give you the gifts and abilities to do it because he wants you to depend on him. Yeah, I think maybe. But I think God just works through natural means all the time. And it doesn't mean that we don't depend on that, and you'll see that in verse 7, but it means that he works through natural means. And so if he's given us a mission, he's given us the gift to carry out that mission. And that's what we see have going on here. But then we see this, this, this phrase, fan into flame the gift of God. What's going on there? Well, I got another picture on the screen here. A couple weeks ago, this is not a picture of my fire pit, uh, but... Um, that would not have been a very good picture. But we, during the fire pit, we're sitting out there, and uh, and so the the coals are glowing, but the fan, the the flame has kind of gone down, right? And so what do you do? Is you get on your knees, you get close to the fire, and you just start blowing on the fire. And then what happens? It erupts into flame. The fire never went out. It just needed to be fanned into flame. And that's what Paul's getting at here with his gifts. It's like, you've got the gifts, you just need to exercise them and get them on fire again. Or just to keep the flame burning, you've got to provide more oxygen. I think there's a lesson here. And uh, this is the way I took from this, is that if you turn inward on yourself and you just get stuck thinking about your fears and you get stuck in your own little world, it really can suffocate and dampen the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Another way to say that is the gifts that you and I have been given can atrophy if they're not used. It doesn't mean they go away, but they do need to be fanned into flame. And how do we fan them into flame? Well, I think there's probably a lot of ways, but what Paul's getting at here is you've got to exercise them. You've got to use them. That's our personal responsibility is to utilize the gifts that we've been given and that sets them on fire again. Now, now there's more to it than that. And set, verse 7 is going to shine more light on it. But, but Paul's getting at here is that you've been given the gifts you've needed. You just got to fan them into flame. And there might be some, some hesitancies in doing so, but you've been given the spirit that you actually would step out and do that very thing. So we've got, he's at work in our story. That's our position of strength. We've been given gifts. That's our position of strength. And the third one is the Holy Spirit in you. Timothy, you can be emboldened because of the reality the Holy Spirit is in you. We see this in verse 7 here. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And so what I think Paul is saying here in the language of for, when he uses that word for to connect it to the, to the gift, he's saying, listen, you can fan the flame and you can use these gifts because God has given you his spirit. It's in you. He didn't put his spirit in you to keep you on the sidelines in fear. He put the spirit in you that you actually would step out 
and receive power and love and self-control in carrying out this mission. And I think it's really important for us to just, if you've been a Christian for a while, you might hear, oh yeah, I know I got the Holy Spirit. Yep, got it. And I think it's easy for us to think that when we look at this passage, power, love, self-control, but maybe it's just this positive thinking. We just think about power and love and self-control and we get it. It's, it's nothing like that. If you are a Christian, there is a miracle that's happened. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Now, and I think what he's getting at here, you experience the power and the love and self-control of the Holy Spirit, not when you're in your room scared to go out and, and exercise the gifts that you've been given. That we experience the power, the love, and self-control of the Holy Spirit when we step out trusting he'll be there on the other side. And so I want to walk through the power, love, and self-control and just kind of, I want to just say it like I think Paul was getting at if he elaborated how he would elaborate to Timothy. And then I want to just ask the question, why is this good news for us today? And so here with power, Timothy, take the gifts you've been given and step out into this mission with the power of the Holy Spirit. He will enable you to do what you called to do. On the other side, it may think, how would I go into that city and do what you did? The Holy Spirit will bear you up when you do that. He will be there on the other side. And this is good news for us too, right? Just think about in our work, in our vocations. There are projects that you have. There are things that you need to do in the work that you're supposed to do. And in each of those things, there are a lot of times you're like, I don't know if I can move towards that. I don't know if I can face that. And what this good news for us is, is you've been given the Holy Spirit so that you can step out into that project, into that whatever it is that God's calling you to do in your vocation, knowing that he will bear you up. Now, I think on the, before you step out, you don't think you can do it. And the Holy Spirit's not giving you just to give you a pep talk. He wants you to trust him. So I think to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't experience it by sitting still. You experience it by stepping out. That's where you're going to see him bear you up underneath it. We may feel like we can't move forward in sharing the gospel with someone because of fear of rejection or just to initiate with them. What's well, good news for us today is the Holy Spirit has been given to us to actually move us out with power that we can bear up underneath that fear no matter what may happen. But we've got to step out, right? And then we see love here. Timothy, take your gifts you've been given. Step out into this mission with the love of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will enable you to move out in love for people rather than suffocate in selfishness and insecurities. Love doesn't mean we don't have fears and insecurities. Love means we count something more important than those fears and insecurities. And I don't think love comes from the confines of our living room. I think love comes when we move out towards people and we get involved in their lives. And he gives us the love we need to sustain us. Does that make sense? Like sometimes we've got to get face to face with someone before we sense love for them. It doesn't come when we're thinking about we need to step out. It comes as we step out. And the Holy Spirit provides that. He's a spirit of love. And that's good news for us, right? I mean, I think that's really, really good news for us. I mean, I think so many times we get bogged down in insecurity or selfish desires that we don't speak up, that we don't step out. I mean, you think even in our jobs, if you're called to lead or manage other people, so much of what you've got to do is make healthy, good decisions that will help them flourish in their roles. But a lot of times that, makes, that means you're going to have to do hard things. You're going to have to have hard conversations, 
And sometimes it takes stepping out before the Holy Spirit meets you with the love that you need in that moment. But that's what we're promised here. And that's what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. And then we see self-control. Timothy, take the gifts you've been given. Step out into the mission with the self-control of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be tempting. Timothy, you're going to be tempted to shrink back and take the easy road. That's just human nature. You're going to be tempted to do that. But the Holy Spirit, step out and he will help you walk the right path, even if it's the hard thing. Man, this is a real one for us, right? If there's any needs outside in other people's lives, outside in our community, that you want to step forward and move towards. Maybe it's you just want to provide a meal. Maybe it's that you want to be a mentor for someone in the middle school. Maybe it's you want to have hospitality and just invite people into your home. No matter what path that is, it's a difficult path. If you choose to get involved in other people's lives, it is a difficult path. Why? Because they're broken just like you. And so you're gonna, if you're going to step into the the hardship of other people's lives, you're stepping into a path of uncomfort. And most of us love the path of least resistance. We love the path of comfort. And so the Holy Spirit's been given to you, though. If you will step out on that, you may think, there's no way I can move forward if it's that uncomfortable. And what Paul's saying here, fan the flame, use your gifts, step out. The Holy Spirit will meet you. He will enable you to have self-control to take this difficult path. That's what he's getting at here. And that's good news for us as well. So as we look out into this mission, whether it be in our vocation, making disciples, meeting needs around us, you will certainly feel the challenges and the insecurities that you have and the inadequacies that you have. You're going to feel that. And it's going to feel that you would begin this mission from a point of weakness. And what I, want to, what I think Paul's wanting us to see this morning is that you don't begin this mission from a point of weakness. You begin it from great strengths. God is far more committed to you, and it's all over your story. Trace his fingerprints. He's, he's with you in this. Not only that, he's given you gifts to use. They might not be what you want, but they, what, they've got what you need. And then finally, above all things, He's given you the Holy Spirit to step out into this role. You've got to trust him and do it. And so where do we go from here as a church this morning? I want you to be encouraged. I do want you to be encouraged that, that to know that God is far more committed to you and the work of this mission that he's been carrying on for generations than you or I could ever imagine. And there's something just to sit in that and be thankful for that. But I think there's also, we need to be willing to step out. Paul here isn't just trying to get Timothy not to hang his head in defeat. He's wanting to step out in strength. And, and in one sense, all of these encouragements do bring responsibility to Timothy, right? God's been at work in you. you you've got to act on that, right? You've been given gifts. You've you got to use them. you got the Holy Spirit, not to sit back in fear, but to get out and do something. There's a sense of responsibility here. And so in this series, if you're coming to our services, you're listening to them, or you're in doing the Bible study or both those things, I want to challenge you to be asking yourself, God, what are you wanting me to do? How are you wanting me to move forward in boldness in my vocation and making disciples and meeting needs in the city? What is it? And I want you to think about that. I want that to be an ongoing conversation you have with God. But I want you to recognize and pause this morning that I can step out because I'm stepping out from a position of strength. And he's going to be there. He's placed us in a 
position of strength to do the very things he's called us to do. And so as a church, we can move out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are far more committed to us than we could ever realize. And uh, God, who are we to have you at work in our story? Who are we that you would give us gifts and abilities that you would want us to use them to help this world flourish? I mean, why would you want us to have that role? And then who are we that you would give us your Holy Spirit? But that is the reality for all of us who are followers of you. If there's anyone here that's listening that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you would move in their life and open their eyes to see the beauty of what it's like to be a child of God. And that you would move into their life with your spirit, with gifts, and show them how you've been at work. And for those that are followers of Jesus, would you lift our eyes to see around us, not our fears and insecurities, our inadequacies, but to see your work, the gifts, and the fact that your Holy Spirit's in us. And would you move us to step out in faith? We need you. We thank you. Amen.